A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a lot of awesome stories, and our first story of the day is from Stinky Dingus IRL. Got my neighbor Karen put out of her apartment. This is one of those rare instances where the landlord and tenant got along and were on the same side. I, 35-year-old male, had moved into a duplex in Atlanta with my then-girlfriend and her son. Our neighbors at the start were so cool, we'll forever miss them. But they moved on and were replaced with Satan's estranged daughter. This was in 2014 and 2015 before the Karen phenomenon, but she was the textbook definition. Single woman, mid-fifties, two big dogs, and way too many cats. At first, she kept to herself, so we did the polite thing when we passed each other, just smiled and waved. To go on from here, I need to illustrate the geography. Our duplex sat sideways on a low hill. Mine and girlfriend's unit was on the high side of the hill, so Karen's side was on the low end. The housing units were at the same level, and we each had a separate garage. The garages were both side by side, both under her unit, There was no stairway access to the garages, only way in was the garage door. There was a shared driveway that came in from the low side and right turned into the garages. As such, the sidewalk from the driveway went past her unit. It dead ended at the center of the house where the two separate entrances were located. Our side had no sidewalk because there was no need for one, that's important later. About two to three weeks after she moves in, me, my girlfriend, and her seven-year-old son have pulled mine and hers cars up into the yard to wash them. It's a nice hot summer day, and why not? Having a cute romantic moment with the water hose, bonding with her kid, we're off the sidewalk because we're not jerks. Eventually she comes home, parks in the garage, and walks up. We stop washing, say hi, and even joke that we'd wash hers next. She declines, ignores us briefly, then stops and blows up. I don't recall exact quotes, but something to the effect of, we're too loud at nights, we don't have parties, we're on our sidewalk too much, it's hers because it's in front of her unit, not ours, so we need to stay off of it, and also we need to stop using our garage because the automatic door opener rattles her unit, shakes things off shelves, and scares her pets. I was just going to ignore her, go back to washing cars, but she was pretty stern and loud in her complaints. My girlfriend had an attitude and Karen just lit the fuse. Her son was getting scared of this lady yelling at us, so she leads with that. Come and talk to us like adults. Don't yell and scare my child. This is a shared sidewalk, not yours. We pay for the amenity of a garage, so we're going to use it. Screaming, finger pointing, cussing, complete trailer trash behavior on both sides. I try to calm things down. Karen, let's talk about this. We can reach a compromise. She's not having it. Cusses us both out, goes inside and slams the door. Girlfriend's in tears. Her son also crying and shaking. I escort them inside and calm them down. Then I decided I desperately needed to adjust the carbs in both my motorcycles. Did I mention that I have motorcycles? Plural. Both of them. And they sit in the garage under her unit. Both of them. And both of them are loud, and they both need the carbs adjusted right now. I open the doors, pull both bikes out, and turn them around to face the pipes into the garage, starting with the little one. The classic 2001-1100 V-Star. Oldie but a goodie. I spend the next 30 minutes wrenching the throttle as I fine-tune the jets and the carburetors. 
Her dogs were going nuts. It was glorious. Once I'm satisfied she's tuned, I move over to the Vulcan Mean Streak. This one is an 1800 and she's straight pipes. No baffles. In between swapping out the ponies, I can hear her through the ceiling, her floor. She's on the phone with the landlord screaming and crying that she's going to get out of her lease and there's nothing he can do about it. This sows the seed for more misery for her later. I crank the even louder beast and fill the garage with smoke and noise for as long as my throttle hand could take. My girlfriend had calmed down by now and came to call me off, said I'd done enough. I disagreed, but whatever. My ears were ringing anyway. Walking back up the sidewalk, we could still hear her on the phone. She spotted us through her window and flipped us off. We laughed. There's a part two coming up in just a second, but do you think what the Karen did here justified revving those motorcycles into the garage, filling it up with smoke under her house? Was it warranted for a Karen like this? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. That said, our next story is also from Stinky Dingus IRL, Got Karen Put Out Part 2. A few days later, I'm out on my way to work. I leave at about 6 to make it in time to have breakfast at the desk before I log on at 7. I go around the garage, and Karen has left her car outside her garage and positioned it so I can't get my car out. I knock on her door, and of course she doesn't answer. Bang on it a few more times, nothing. I even yell at the door, hey Karen, you're blocking my car, I need to get to work. Her dogs are kind enough to respond loudly, but not her. This is clearly her petty revenge for the bikes, I'm sure. Fortunately, it's a nice day, so I can just take one of them to work. The bike can fit around her car. Thanks to her, I wasn't going to have time to enjoy my breakfast. That evening I come home and her car is still there, so instead of putting it back in the garage, I leave the bike perched behind her car, just at the edge of the street. Now, I know what you're thinking, but OP, what if she backs into it? And I was kinda hoping that was where it would go. See, I've got great insurance and an even better lawyer. But no, this is how petty she is. She calls the cops. Come knock on our door, push the bike over, go through the front yard? No, calls the cops. The nice policeman informs me that I am blocking her car from exiting. Yeah, that was kind of the point. I inform him that she started it. Yeah, I know, I felt like a kid saying it. And honestly, we'd have called the police on her for this crap this morning, but it seemed juvenile. Cop's response was, yes, but that's why we're here. That's just sad. Let's me know our species is doomed. However, once I explain the whole thing, Mr. Policeman knocks on her door, addresses himself, and gets her to come outside. We explain the whole mess and the cop asks, is this true? She admits it but can't produce a reason for it. The cop scolds us both to stop blocking the driveway, says he doesn't want to have to come back to our residence again. Ha, yeah, okay. That weekend, we go over to the neighbors for a few drinks. No, not that one, she doesn't like us. The next duplex over. Their porch is about 30 feet or so from the original scene of the crime, the garages. We're not being loud, no music, just a handful of us cooking out and drinking beers. Oh, and among the guests this evening is our landlord himself. Did I mention we were in good with him? So anyway, sure enough, the nice policeman comes by. It's not the same officer as last time, but nonetheless, he comes to the deck, flashlight in hand. Clearly it was her, but what is rib-bustingly hilarious is that the officer said the noise complaint was placed by, wait for it, the landlord of the house. The landlord steps forward and says, funny, I don't remember calling to complain about myself. 
Once again, we explain everything to the officer. He chuckles, asks us to keep it down, and leaves. After that, Mr. Landlord goes over to her unit. Of course, she doesn't answer the door, but he speaks anyway, letting her know what she did wasn't cool and she better not do it ever again. After that, we try to avoid one another. Minor crap like UPS packages dropped off for her. We find it on our side and move it over. Later, we'll hear her through the door, keep your hands off my stuff, or other minor headaches that make us wish her dogs would turn on her. A few weeks later, I'd gotten a promotion at work, so we threw a party. Sure enough, the cops were called again. This one was not placed by the landlord, but he was still there. He yells over at our door, Hey Karen, this is getting old. The next instance, I can't quite take credit for. But Karen had built this obnoxious awning to cover her side of the porch out back. She never uses the porch, so why bother? However, I clearly remember a stipulation in our lease that says that we're not allowed to modify the exterior of the units at all. Maybe hers is different. Maybe I should call landlord and find out. What's that? No, she doesn't get to make modifications either? Oh, well, she did. So he makes her remove it. Again, because we're in good with him, he shares the tale with us, how she complained, then begged, then relented. It was ear candy. Speaking of candy, come Halloween, I had decorated the yard. I heard from multiple neighbors of ours that their children were being frightened in my front yard come Halloween. By this point, I should have guessed though that the lines were being drawn with Karen figuratively and literally. I had to move some of my decorations, and that included the 15-foot ghost on the roof of the unit. I had to move it all the way over onto my side. So come Halloween night, we took her son out trick-or-treating and literally every kid we saw, we told them to go to her place. She had the good candy, and lots of it. But she's so old and hard of hearing, you'll have to bang the door pretty hard. No, she won't mind. Now, I realize this was also mean to the kids who went to her door, but worthy sacrifices on the altar of petty. Finale season, it's been about 10 plus months now. The cops hadn't come back out, and no one had been cussed out in a while. One evening, we hear a splatter coming from the kitchen. We go in and find the pipe had been busted under the sink and spraying. I quickly go out to the main and close it, but because this is a duplex, I've cut off the water to her side as well. She's not home yet, so we call our buddy the landlord. Landlord comes and addresses the issue. Small part to fix it. Needs to run to Home Depot. Be right back. Meanwhile, I type up a note for Karen's door. I let her know we had a leak, had to shut off the water but it should be fixed within an hour or two. Even thanked her for understanding. While he's gone, we clean up the water. It was a lot. Then, before he returns, we hear the splatter again. At first, I'm a little confused. I know I'd turned it off, but then it clicks. I go outside and there's Karen holding a pipe wrench. Hey, didn't you see my note? She says, yes, but my pets need water. I say, yes, but now you're flooding our unit. She says, I don't care, I need water. My girlfriend comes out and goes off shouting, calling her a witch. Next door neighbors hear and come out. It's a show now. I go get my wrench to close the main valve again, but she won't move out of the way. She's literally blocking me. I half expect her to take a wrench to my head, so I back off. Sure enough, landlord arrives to the show. I say, hey, we left her a note. She ignored it and started the water again. He says, wait, she what? Then he turns to light into her, cussing her out. I take advantage of her distraction to go kill the water again, but at this point it's been running long enough that the carpets are soaked. Pros have to be called out. 
Meanwhile, Landlord is still yelling at her. Alright Karen, that's it, you're out of here. She says, but I've already signed next year's lease. He says, doesn't matter, tear it up, and I'm taking your deposit to pay for their damages. She says, but I don't have anywhere else to go. I couldn't help myself. I interjected. Hey Karen, I could have sworn I heard you talking about getting out of this place a few months ago, back when I was working on the bikes. She just blurted out, freak you, the default argument for anyone who has nothing else to say. Anyway, she continues to argue and cry about her deposit. She'll need that for her next apartment. She can't afford to move. She threatens small claims court to get it back. I put that one to bed real quick. Karen, I left a note on your door and you chose to ignore it. Small claims won't give you crap. We spent the next couple of nights at a hotel while the carpets were redone. He put it all on insurance and just pocketed the deposit. Win-win. A few more weeks go by without so much as a peep from her. One day we come home and she's just gone. Porch, garage, apartment, all cleaned out. Sometimes I wonder whose life she's pissing on now. All I know is is that landlord must have a pretty good lawyer because it sounds like they got a pretty good contract where they can just be like, you bet I'm keeping that deposit and you bet I'm breaking the lease right now and you bet you gotta get out of here ASAP. Despite the fact that they just signed for the next year too. Actually, to be fair, it could be fairly routine. I actually don't really know how those contracts work. By the way, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our next story is from Pawpaw22. Want to discipline me in front of your new boss? Bad move. I've worked in corporate America for over 20 years now, and at the time, I'd left my marketing job with a Fortune 500 company to go to this job that was a total bait and switch. The worst part was my direct manager. Not only was he dumb, but also a jerk. He's the guy that orders a very, very specific temperature drink at Starbucks and complains when it's not 170 degrees. Super controlling, focused on dumb stuff. He got a new manager and was trying to show how tight he runs his team and decided to use me for the whipping boy that day. He calls me into a room with only the new manager and starts going over times I didn't fill in my Salesforce info on time and how I was late meeting him for an early morning meeting at a diner after a few minutes of providing his super nitpicky evidence of why I'm so awful, he asks me what I have to say, and whether I think I can step up and do more. I start, well, for one thing, I've never had a manager as bad as you. Although the team goes miles out of their way to avoid you, and none of them like you or respect you. This job is a dead end, and you're the worst micromanager of my life. His pupils got huge as he was sitting across the table from me, beside his new boss, wondering how this dressing down of me had turned so upside down. His face was flushed with red. I then begin to recount about a dozen specific examples of his poor management style. Then I say, there's no turning around your poor management, so I quit. I called an Uber, left the company car in the parking lot. He followed me out, actually begging me not to quit. I get in my Uber and say peace. The next day, I founded my own consulting company and have been super happy and successful since. I- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I don't usually ever burn bridges, but darn did this one burn beautifully. I'm not gonna lie, this is like one of those wet dreams that almost everybody who hates their boss has, where they want to totally talk down their manager, but a lot of them aren't in the position where they can just drop everything and quit. I can only imagine how many people out there, how many people watching this video would love to do exactly this to their boss. But uh, unless you have the backup funds you've earned from working for a Fortune 500 company, you probably can't just go and do that. This next story is from the Noble High. Leave me out to dry after I bring your company record profits? Let's see how that plays out for you. Circa 2017, I worked at a small 36-room condo hotel on Marco Island, Florida. And that property was owned by a small venture capitalist firm ran by two wealthy siblings and one of their sons. I was brought on board by a colleague who was hired as the general manager. Since this was a new slash small operation that had pretty much zero actual industry knowledge or expertise, it was basically the GM and myself who were responsible for bringing real changes to the property, while also wearing multiple hats and doing the job of several roles with our industry experience. There was only one other office employee who was a curmudgeonly old lady. Ironically, her name was actually Karen who basically just did the billing for unit owners and sat in the back when she could. I myself was responsible for not only the day-to-day front desk presence, phone presence, concierge presence, assigning daily housekeeping duties, and running a brief night audit, but most importantly, also managing the business revenue, strategy, and competitive set. An online room inventory with our own website and major OTA companies like Expedia, Booking, Trivago, etc., 2017 was a record year for us, and my revenue strategy earned the company several tens of thousands of dollars more than previous years by comparison. Then crap started slowly hitting the fan quarter two to quarter three. My colleague, the GM, resigned due to personal issues completely unrelated to his work performance. That brought the office staff down to two people, Karen and I. Karen had this month-long trip to Italy planned like two years in advance so she was going to go regardless. Karen flies out in the midst of the news that there's a bad hurricane a few days out from landfall. Cue Hurricane Irma. For those unaware of hurricane grading, Irma made landfall in the US as a category four. 
That is staggeringly powerful. For reference, Katrina, which devastated New Orleans in 2005, was also a Cat 4. Needless to say, everyone was on high alert and made plans to evacuate. During my evacuation, not on the clock or being paid by the company whatsoever, the firm's accountant called me on my personal phone, asking me to walk her through the steps of how to remotely run the property management systems audit. With hotel computer systems, the day doesn't actually end until you tell the system that the day is over and that it's time to run reports and tally up the numbers. So if no one's there to do the audit, the hotel will be permanently stuck on a previous day. I spend around two hours on the phone with her while evacuating from a natural disaster and I was never compensated for it. Irma ended up making landfall on the island I worked on and the entire surrounding area lost power for about a week. We all returned to devastation, some of our rooms on the top floors having their walls and roof blown out and slowly trying to pick the pieces back up. My hours were cut from 40 per week to about 16 per week as the damage from the hurricane drove business way down. I was beginning to struggle financially and I was forced to use all my PTO and vacation days I'd earned up to this point to keep full paychecks coming in as I was just some 24 to 25 year old guy who lived alone and the company offered absolutely zero roadmap for getting back to full time compensation. I sent the CEO, who I spoke with every week in revenue meetings, an email explaining the situation and asking for a possible advance to make ends meet for the time being. The email I got back was basically one sentence to the effect of, OP will be open again soon, thanks. Bold strategy. Let's see how that plays out for you considering I'm the literal only person running the hotel operations right now. Within a week, I secured an interview for a better paying job closer to home, crushed the interview, and kept it completely to myself. The CEO's brother, the CFO, had flown down to be on property for the first day of the reopening where business started to come back to normal. The day before reopening, while in the office, I got a call from HR at the new company confirming the job offer and to stop by later that day to finalize everything. I called the CFO and asked him to come down to the office because I wanted to talk. The second he got there and he asked what's up, I told him I was resigning effective immediately. He said, OP, you realize that'll make it hard for us to open tomorrow, right? I say nothing personal. Just like your company has financial concerns that prevent you from keeping your only employee here to run the hotel. I also have financial concerns that prevent me from staying here as I have bills to pay. You'll be open again soon, don't worry. He gritted his teeth and said, okay then. I handed over my key to the property, got in my car, and never looked back. I think OP's first mistake was hoping that a company who left them as the only competent employee to begin with would be a company that helps them out and looks out for their employee. Like yeah, even though OP is the only competent one left and they're gonna struggle without them, they didn't look out for anybody else up to that point, so it's no surprise the outcome that happened. And our final story of the days from Mean Ad 3975 they say you can't put a price on happiness, but it cost me $250,000 and it was worth every penny. My late husband was in a car accident his senior year in 1986 and got a settlement of $30,000 he could access at 18. He was a gearhead and wanted to buy a Corvette, but his mom didn't like that idea, so she made him a deal. If he bought the car, he would have to pay rent and storage for his other cars, or he could buy property and stay home rent-free as long as he wanted. So at 18, we started looking at property. 
and he bought 10 acres for $5,000. We intended to build there at some point or sell it later on. In the early years, we would have massive ragers. There was no one around to bother and it was great. Eventually, people bought and built on the lots around us, and zoning laws changed to allow one house per acre. So there were several houses, but it was still rural and a few of us had large, empty anchorage the kids would use to ride their dirt bikes. We didn't care, let them have fun. About 15 years ago, another new house went in, and it was right on the property line. They hadn't even finished construction on the house when the wife began calling to demand I take some trees down because they blocked her view. The funny thing was, the view they blocked was from the RV they were living in. So once they moved into the house, they wouldn't even be near those trees. So I said sorry, but no, I'm not cutting the trees. She wasn't happy, and over the next couple years, she called to complain about all sorts of stupid stuff. And the noise of the kids on dirt bikes. Heck, she even got mad at people riding their horses because they made their dogs bark. One spring day, I drive out there and notice the stream that ran across my property and theirs had been dammed on mine and diverted on my land about 50 yards from their property line, which sent it along the dirt road that went down a hill and up the other side, creating a pond where it was blocked and another at the bottom of the road and preventing me from accessing the majority of the property. Now, I knew it was their doing because the previous fall and winter she had called to complain my stream was causing her property to flood. First off, it wasn't my stream, and her property didn't flood. In wetter months, the stream naturally got larger. It flowed downhill, and it kept to its banks for decades. Their lot was originally heavily wooded, and they cleared all of the trees, and I could tell they had done a bunch of grading, so if they had water issues, that's their doing, not mine. Anyway, I went home, and the following weekend, we grabbed the small backhoe and a couple of friends to unblock the stream. We hadn't even unloaded it before we heard her screaming and the cops showed up. They were unsure if they should stop us because our state is pretty environmentally conscious and there were strict wetland laws. The cops didn't know if we were rerouting the stream or if they had. I completely understand where they're coming from and I knew this could happen so not only did I bring pictures to show how the stream had been, but one of our friends was an official at the DOE. He was able to explain the law and that we legally needed to put the stream back. We couldn't do much about the pond except wait for it to dry out, but we sent the stream back down its original channel. Of course, when it goes to their freshly graded land, it had no channel to follow and yeah, it did flood their yard. Unfortunately for them, there happened to be that DEO official who felt it was his duty to issue them a citation for diverting and illegally altering the stream. They ended up having to put the stream bed back and revegetate with native plants and shrubs in a 25-foot buffer zone, which took away a portion of their yard, pay us damages, and got a huge fine. As the spring and summer progresses, the kids on dirt bikes discover the pond. By this time, it's 8 to 18 inches deep, and they're loving riding through it. So instead of just riding through there, they spend hours in that area, much to the annoyance of the neighbor. She calls the police multiple times, but the kids would either be gone or say they have permission to be there, so the police call us and we say, yep, let them ride. Now, we did have concerns about liability if they got hurt, but we liked pissing her off, so we took the risk. Not the best idea, but thank God no one ever did that we know about. A couple years go by, she's learned to text because we ignored her calls when she has something to complain about. 
I make my annual spring visit and notice there are 23 large cedar and fir trees cut down. Five have been cut up and a path leads directly to their very full woodshed. I was pissed. This isn't something I can just fix and you don't screw with my trees. I called the police and their excuse was that firewood was their sole source of heat and they needed the wood. They cut so many so it would dry out over the next couple years. They get another no trespassing order, the stream one had expired, and charged with theft and vandalism. It took a couple years but they ended up having to pay $10,000 for each tree they cut down. So that was nice, plus we sold 15 of the trees and made another $45,000. They were pissed to say the least. Life goes on and we still got texts every time she heard a dirt bike, horse goes by or whatever irritated her on any given day. We started having summer campout parties over the next few years and she always called the police or fire department. Of course, we never got cited because we're not stupid and didn't break any laws. Sadly, my husband died suddenly and eventually I decided it was time to sell because I wasn't going to build a house there, so I listed the property for a million dollars, which was the market rate at the time. Remember, it was 10 acres and you can build one house per acre. Of course, anytime people went out there, she would flag them down and tell them it flooded and all sorts of nonsense. She didn't want anyone to build or be there. I should have renewed the second trespass order, but it expired right around the time my husband passed, and it just wasn't important at that moment. Developers weren't bothered, and we did get a few offers under ask I was happy with, but I really wanted to sell it to an individual who wanted to build a single home just being stupid and sentimental. My agent wasn't happy but understood. One day he calls me with an offer that is much less than any of the others, and they wanted to do an owner-carried contract for three years with a balloon payment to pay me off at the end of the three years. It's a couple who wanted to meet me out there. I didn't have anything going on on the upcoming Saturday, so I said I would meet them with the understanding that I really wasn't interested in carrying the contract and the price was too low. We figured they were hoping to change my mind, and we were hoping they would come in with a better offer. They got there before me, and when I arrive, the witch is there telling them how bad the property is. I parked on the main road and was walking in, so none of them even knew I was there. As I approach, two little kids come flying up on dirt bikes, she comes unglued, grabbed a rock and threw it at them, came nowhere close to hitting them. The guy immediately starts yelling at her and tells her to get the freak out of there. It scares her and she left. He sees me and begins to apologize, but I stopped that and thanked him. We started talking and he explained part of the reason they wanted this specific property was because they had two young boys who rode motocross and he loved the trails, plus he wanted to build a track for them. When he showed me where, I knew he was my buyer. I took a $250,000 loss on the sale and carried that contract just to spite that witch. While that is a huge sum, remember we paid $5,000 for it and got almost $300,000 for the trees and another $20,000 for the nonsense with the stream, plus enjoyed the property for almost 30 years. And I got the interest on the contract and the balloon payment so it wasn't really like we lost out. Plus, knowing the witch was going to be miserable for years to come, you just can't put a price on that. I sold it six years ago and I still go out a couple times a year just to check it out. They've built a beautiful house at the farthest point from the witch and there's a huge track up by their place. She still sends me nasty texts and 
I should probably block her, but it makes me smile each time knowing she's still pissed. Well worth the loss, and I know my late husband would approve. He always knew I was a petty witch. You know, as much as OP's trying to classify this as some kind of petty revenge, this clearly fits here as pro-revenge. Not only do they set up a system where this lady's going to get pissed off for years, probably decades if they live that long to come, they made this neighbor cough up hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's insane. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was absolutely crazy, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.